now at Banana Republic Factory, save big with 50 to 70% off the entire store. Plus, take an extra 50% off clearance. Stock up on dresses and polos starting at $19.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Hey, welcome to Create Loud, a podcast for creatives. I'm Rachel Robison. And I'm Cody Crabb. And this is uh, our comeback. Yeah, don't call it a comeback. <laughs> Although it is. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of, that's part of not calling it a comeback. <laughs> how are things going, Cody? Actually, you know exactly how I am, because we have some pretty darn exciting <laughs> news for everyone that's listening to this podcast, as well as, you know, it's pretty new to us as well. We're mm-hmm. really, really excited. What is that news, Rachel? Tell everyone the amazing news. We are joining a podcast network. Ooh. I know. With um, it's so it's called Hope Strikes Back, and we yeah, I mean this is huge news for us, and so we're we'll explain a little bit what that means. For this exciting news, we have uh, we are joined by Zoner and Colin from hope strikes back now first of all uh thanks for hopping on our show real yeah. quick this is the most people we've ever had on the show at the same well, time no, yeah thanks for having us <laughs> of course yeah um so we wanted to tell everyone kind of what what hope strikes back is about and kind of so that they kind of understand what why we're pairing with you guys yeah definitely so uh hope strikes back is is a nonprofit to uh, help create creative outlets for others to help empower and inspire. And so throughout our website, we have different articles relating to um, how to help someone through like uh, mental illnesses and uh, bringing awareness to those different things and how uh, other people have personally coped. We've We've received a lot of great feedback from the community and We also have a great podcast network that we're trying to build. Our main podcast, Hope Strikes Back podcast, um, is um, is definitely one of those shows that we try to merge geek culture with kind of your day-to-day. Uh, so a couple of weeks ago, we just we had a really uh, heartfelt episode about suicide uh, prevention and um, something that had happened uh, near and dear to a lot of our hearts with um, someone who, uh, whose life was lost um, due to that. It's really crazy, too, because, you know, we like to have fun. But that suicide episode, I mean, we started off, and we were pretty irreverent at the beginning. But by the end, I mean, we had people, like, literally in tears as we were discussing this. And so... One thing about us, we are very real people. We are the type of people that what you see is what you get. You may not like everything about us, but you know that there's no persona here. We're not one way on a podcast and and another way in real life. My mother constantly shakes her head at me, wondering where I learned to behave the way that I behave. (laughs) But that's one thing, too, that we really try and stress is that, you know, be yourself. It should become painfully obvious to our listeners kind of why we want to work together. Just because, yeah, like, that, that general feeling of, like, positivity and, like, you can do it and kind of all that stuff. We yeah. just love that. Yeah, and that's Seriously. what's really drew us to your guys' podcast as well. I mean, Create Loud really focuses on, on trying to help others develop into being the best self that they can be in and trying to um, hit that, that next level. Totally. Yeah, that's definitely our mission. I don't know. It's great to have values align, I guess, just because, I mean, the more positive vibes, the better, you know. When we when we originally got acquainted, I was like looking through your website and like your podcast and stuff. And I was kind of like, oh, well, this (laughs) this seems like this should work out. Like, okay, (laughs) so, yeah, we're happy to happy to be joining. Yeah, we're, we're so thrilled that you guys are coming on to onto the network. And, you know, the thing is, there's so much negativity out there in the world. 
Mm-hmm. If we can make it just a little bit better, you know, one show at a time, one article at a time, you know, one interaction at a time, it's gonna it's gonna be better in the long run. Yeah, it's gonna take time. Anybody got time for that? <laughs> it's gonna take time. There's exactly. a lot of crap out there. You, I mean, we're like neck deep right now in it. You just go on Twitter and you see it all. Oh, I know. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that is that is a fact. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just I mean that that's our whole thing. Just improve improve ourselves, improve others. My, one of my goals is as I go Love through it. life and meet new people is I always want to try and leave them better than I found them. You know, whether yeah. I love that. Whether that's meeting somebody new at a party, meeting somebody new at the office, whatever the case may be, I want to walk away having left them in a better place than I found them. I love that. That's and we're so definitely cool. going to take that. We're going to take that and like, we're going to use that. Sounds like yeah. a show yeah. title. Yeah, gonna... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, thanks. Thanks for joining us just briefly to kind of explain what's going on. We're super excited to get started yeah, with everything. Um, and, you know, pairing with you guys is really going to help us kind of take things to the next level. Indeed. Indeed. Definitely. Thanks, guys. Thank Good you luck. so much. Yeah. We, uh, we look forward to hearing the rest of this episode. Sweet. Yeah. You're going to love it. Now, as with any change or news, people kind of wonder, oh, shoot, what's going, what's going to happen now? Like, you know, it's like we're the parents telling our kids we're getting a divorce. Although it's a good thing. It's not a divorce. It's the opposite. It's a marriage. Um, <laughs> but um, I feel that's what I feel like. So it's all right, children. We're going to tell you what's going on. So first of all, the content. We are not changing anything about our show. Mm-hmm. The only thing that you might notice a little different is occasionally Colin and Zoner are going to guest on our show, but it's not going to be, the content's going to be just the same. We're going to talk about inspirational stories. We're going to talk about people, uh, advice on how to get where they want to be in their lives with their careers or with their art. Um, and most importantly, we're just going to, it's going to be us. We're not going anywhere. So there's that, first of all. Another one is the the website. So um, previously it was createloud.us. Going forward, it's going to be createloud.org, which sounds awesome. Ah, yeah. And our email address is going forward going to be podcast at createloud.org. That rolls off the tongue just so much easier. It sounds so awesome. Yeah, it does. To have, have a real legit email address. Yeah, we're pretty stoked. I mean, we're stoked about all of this, but anyway. There's only one kind of change that you might see as negative, and that is that we are going to start running ads on our show. You've probably already noticed that, actually. You may or may not have noticed an ad already. Um, and we just want to tell you, you know, we we understand the ad world. I mean, we, we listen to podcasts. We watch YouTube videos. We use Facebook. Mm-hmm. Ads can be ads can be a little annoying, um, especially depending on what, what it's for, right? Mm-hmm. But we... We want to reassure you guys that if when you're listening to an ad, you're basically hitting a little tiny donate button. You're donating like 15 seconds of your time in order to pay for a part of our podcast. So think of it as you are doing your part as a listener to help us make this podcast. And you literally are if you're listening to an ad. It's true. So um, so take that into account. We really, we really appreciate that. And they're, they're not going to be super invasive. They're going to be pretty quick and they're going to be, um, we're not, they're not going to be super often. So just take that into account. I just wanted to make sure to say that because I hate when I suddenly start listening to something or like a podcast is a perfect example. And then all of a sudden it's like 30% sponsors. And I'm like, that's not what I signed up for. Yeah. Um, so at least you've got a heads up. Yeah. We just wanted to let you know. Um, but so thank you guys. Thanks yeah. for listening to those ads. We really appreciate we that. Really that's do. gonna be really that's gonna be really helpful for us. Um and you know, apart from all this stuff, we actually have a real episode. <laughs> we do. <laughs> so we are really excited. Actually, this is a particularly good one. Um, and it's not something we normally do. So we're interviewing uh well, Cody's interviewing Alex Valudo, who is a comedian from mm-hmm. the Utah area. And he, well, I mean, Cody should really be telling us about him because he grew up with the guy. I did. I literally just a couple streets over. Um, I've known him since I, as literally as long as I can remember. 
And he's a hilarious guy. He's kind of always wanted to be a comedian. He was kind of one of those guests that um, I always knew we would have. It was just a kind of a Mm -hmm. question of when. Yeah, seriously. So so I'm really excited that we finally did this and we have it in the works and stuff. Or we had it in the works and stuff. Um, So let's just get right to it. Yeah. Here we go. All right. Today on the podcast, we have Alex Valuto. Um, I've known him forever. We grew up in the same neighborhood, uh, which, which explains why he's so funny, frankly. Yep. Very funny neighborhood we grew up in. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> and he is a an awesome stand-up comedian. He's here locally in Salt Lake City, um, but he's been really making waves. I've noticed kind of uh, an interest in kind of what he's doing, and I, we're excited to have him on the show. How's it going, Alex? Thanks for having me. Great. That's awesome. You're the first stand-up comedian we've ever had on this show i would hope so cody i wouldn't think of anyone else alex okay good (laughs) so i wanted to start out because i actually remember a long time ago you saying it was this random conversation or something i don't know but you were like i want to be a comedian and i remember thinking like i was i don't i wasn't like really little i was probably like 14 or something and i remember being Uh kind of like well that's pretty that's pretty ambitious, man. Like I even remember thinking that then. <laughs> and so, and now you're doing it. You're all over the place. You're doing shows all over and you got a comedy special and now you have this comedy podcast. Um so how how did this yeah, even trying. How did this even start? Like where did where did this even begin? I remember wanting to do it for a really long time. So that makes sense that you remember yeah. that from when we were kids. Uh I just always was fascinated with comedy and like I think since 7th or 8th grade I was writing down little ideas in a notebook of what jokes to do. Wow. I sometimes look back at those and they either don't make sense or are terrible (laughs) but I was writing them down. (laughs) That would be really that'd be an Um, interesting thing to share like in your in your specials or something. Like this is what I (laughs) this is what I used to think was funny. Oh yeah. (laughs) I did that on stage once just because I was, like, trying to come up with new stuff to do. This was probably a few years ago, though. And I explained my stupid old notebooks, and then I picked one at random (laughs) and tried to explain what I (laughs) thought it meant because I didn't understand what it meant. (laughs) Oh, man. And a lot of them were, like, homophobic because you remember how we were all homophobic in middle school? (laughs) Yeah, back in, like, early 2000s. Yeah, we didn't know that wasn't okay. It was it was so funny to us. <laughs> yeah, that's and true. It was not okay. It was not. <laughs> so all my joke ideas, quote unquote, were like, Darth Vader is gay. <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> I just love the idea of you having having a notebook with that line and you're just as you're writing it, you're like, This is this is freaking gold. This is great. <laughs> this is gonna kill. That's true. Well, and you change like we we talk a lot on this podcast about how like you you have to start somewhere and the somewhere you start is always going to be terrible like oh yeah you have to be terrible for a long time before you i'm probably gonna look back at where i am now in like five years and think i was terrible that's good i feel like that's a good thing because if you don't do that then what's the point unless you're like already at the point where you know if you're like at Kevin Hart levels of like selling out s- entire football stadiums and you keep doing that, I mean, that's not a terrible mm-hmm. place to be if you're not changing, you know, but still. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I assume even when you get to that level, you kind of want to evolve and Yeah, it's true. Cause, change and Because I mean, even when he got to that point, that's when he started to do like films, right? That's when he was in movies and stuff. So, uh-huh. So yeah, you never you yeah. kind of always want to do something different, I think. Even if you're at that point, you're totally right. That always makes me sad though when stand up comedians give up stand up to do movies. <laughs> it's like this I, is bootleg I just want comedy. Them to make more stand up. I know. Yeah. I just keep with the I know it's probably hard on them and the movies pay more and Well and I I always am like just want more I totally get when they do do both. Like when I've seen like Jim Gaffigan uh-huh. is one that I've seen in like some random movies. And then he still does yeah. more stand-up than movies. I'm like, I get it, man. You got to get paid. But <laughs> he's just doing the... Yeah. He's just a funny little cameo in 17 again or something. I th- was it 17? Yeah, I think it was 17 again. He was like the coach oh, or something. Yeah. 
and then yeah, he's way yeah. funny. But like that's what I mean. He's um, not like do he's not like an actor full time. He's like a comedian. But yeah, I really like Hannibal Burris, and it seems oh, like yeah. he's just in movies all the time now instead of doing serious. Uh, he's very funny. He's he's one definitely yeah. one, of, one of the funnier ones right now. I think um, recently I've gotten into John Mulaney a lot. Oh my gosh, he's my he's so he's funny. one of my very favorites. <laughs> I so funny. I think it's interesting. Being a comedian is he drives me nuts at how funny he is. I I know exactly what you mean. Like, I feel that way about Donald Glover and everything. How are you allowed to be that good at everything? Yeah, he's crazy. He's like pretty well known, but I still think he's underrated in like yeah. all the things he can do, like acting and comedy and music. And yeah, and he's like a writer. Like he's a really funny comedy writer as well. Yeah, did I tell you how I went to the Black Panther premiere and he was there? I bet he, I bet he was even watching that movie better than you did somehow. Yeah, he was. Oh, for <laughs> sure. <laughs> he like walked really close behind me. I didn't talk to anyone. I was too scared, and my dad didn't know who he was, or else he would have taken a picture <laughs> with him. <laughs> that, that's almost like that's almost its own ability in itself, not knowing who celebrities are. Yeah, I felt like human IMDb a little bit with my dad. I'm like, that's uh, that's Donald Glover. He's like, who's that? He's like, he was on this show called Community. He's a a hip hop artist. He's like, oh, okay. <laughs> didn't, didn't know or care. I'm like, that's Snoop. But guy. again, that's that's what I mean. That's like almost cooler in a way because they're just kind of like, oh, hey, hey, Donald Glover, you mean nothing to me. As you're just like yeah. a guy. You could be a grocery clerk, and I would treat yeah. you exactly the same. He wouldn't have. He wouldn't have known. Or, yeah, and then you are more natural. <laughs> yeah, and, and then, way cooler. As you're just like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> just like how celebrities don't care about other celebrities, you can become a celebrity by not knowing about celebrities. I actually disagree with that. Have you ever seen videos of like celebrities reacting to celebrities that they've never met? Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, Jennifer Lawrence freaking out at Jack Nicholson and <laughs> that stuff. Was, that was a good one. And Anne Hathaway with uh, Anthony Hopkins is another really good one. Oh. Like, it just, you think like as soon as you become a celebrity, you know everybody. But I guess that's not really true at all. You just kind of, yeah. you know. Do you remember your very worst show ever? Is there one that sticks out when I say, what's your worst show ever? Um, well, one of them was... I was doing this uh, outdoor festival, uh, and I was really excited about it, and um, I thought there'd be a bunch of people there, and I even invited this girl I was trying to impress, and uh, I got there, and it was raining, so the stage was all set up, but since it was raining, everyone was in this tent that was like 50 yards away from the stage um and what i like about stand-up is the instant feedback i get like i know how well i'm doing because in my regular life i never know how well i'm doing unless people are laughing so at this show with the stage 50 yards away i felt like i was right back on the spectrum again so i had no idea how i was doing i was like trying to convince people to come up to the closer and one of the only people i could convince is this like 10 year old girl and just in passing at one point i was like man i'm killing it with this 10 year old here and she said i have not laughed not even once so that was a pretty bad show uh, that was the worst heckle I've gotten too, probably. But at least I knew how well I was doing. Yeah, that's what attracted me to stand up is the feedback. I think subconsciously it did. That's man. I think I think that a lot of what we what we've done on this show, we haven't really focused a lot on like live type experiences, like literally getting feedback in the moment. I, I think it's weird because. I can't, how do I explain it? It's like being at an art gallery and everyone is loudly telling you how they, how much they like or do not like your paintings. That's terrifying. I get terrified the other way. Like when I, 
look at musicians like that are playing like a serious piece of music and then they only get the applause at the end i'm like man i don't know how they do that that whole time (laughs) without a laugh or anything the whole time that's true how do they know if they're doing it well or if people are liking it i guess i'm just needy like that and in the middle you can't switch over to wonderwall yeah (laughs) uh this isn't really working um how about some top 40 Like, it, it doesn't really work like that. With no, music. you gotta play your music. I never thought about it that way, but that's that's really true. With kind of comedy, you get to kind of change it up on the fly if you need to. And you're supposed to be getting a laugh like every 10 to 12 seconds is the rule of thumb. So it's like every 10 to 12 seconds you have this checkpoint of knowing how well you're doing. You can be doing really well, but then you got to prove yourself again in another 10 seconds. Man, I, that's that's kind of profound. I never really thought about like the instant feedback, but that's totally true. I didn't realize I had that need until I was in comedy for a little while. Something I wish I had in social interactions and things like that. I was going to ask you about some something that I don't know if it's really even intentional. I mean, I know it's intentional, but I don't know if that's kind of your part of your marketing strategy. Um, your comedy is like really clean. Is that is that like a very intentional part of what you do, or is that just like, hey, that's how I do it, and if people like it, that's yeah, well. that's how I decided to do it. Um, Seinfeld is probably my biggest inspiration, and he doesn't really curse or do, um, yeah, crude jokes. However, I do think. I talk about topics that people are sometimes uncomfortable with, so I worry I'm, like, too clean for people that like dirty comedy and too dirty for people that like (laughs) clean comedy. That's, like, my sweet spot. Because everyone's definition of, like, yeah, I hope there's people out there like you that like like clean comedy but also don't want it to be so... Too innocent. Like, you can make a joke about sex without it being, like, an explicit joke. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really, that's a good point. I never really thought about that, but that's true. And that's honestly kind of, why does it, why does it need to be, why do you need to completely avoid uh-huh. subjects like that? Like, you're, you're totally right. Because a lot of comedy is about shock value, and there's other ways to shock people other than these, like, graphic descriptions or using curse words now i'm quoting a seinfeld episode not that there's anything wrong with that <laughs> it's just like a style choice yeah. that i've chosen because i like all sorts of comedy well it's true well that's true because like it really like when you look at it that way it's kind of it's like music in that way where like some a lot of artists don't go i'm gonna be a clean artist and i'm not gonna swear or talk about these topics but like I don't think most artists do that at all. Like, I think that's just kind of, they do what they want to do, and then that attracts the kind of people that that kind of want to listen to that. I'm still in that phase of finding who the people are. <laughs> <laughs> well, some something's working because you keep getting called back. I see ads for your shows all the time. Yeah, it's going all right. That's awesome. It's starting to pick up. I recently just did a show in Seattle a no few way. weeks ago. And, that's yeah. great. Yeah, that was pretty cool. So I'm hoping to start to tour a little more. I've actually uh, I've actually noticed like a recent uptick in the last probably few years of comedians that aren't they don't necessarily market themselves as like family comedians. Um mm-hmm. Jim Gaffigan is one of them. Um that is just wildly successful yet he's kind of like he's kind of like you. He doesn't really swear a lot and he mm-hmm. but or he, he like swears a little bit, but then like his material is focused on just non explicit stuff. Right. And hopefully you don't notice that. Like that's the goal, I think. Yeah, from exactly. From what I've heard from a lot of clean com- comics is that like they're focused more on the, the funny aspect. And that's like, so true. Hopefully once you leave the show, you're like, it takes you a little while to register that, oh, they didn't swear or anything like that. Like, not swearing or not being explicitly sexual shouldn't be, like, your main objective. It should be, like, being funny first. What is something that is something you've had to work on that has been kind of a challenge for you? Uh, 
I hate the like networking and marketing myself aspect of comedy. There's I, a lot of that too, isn't there? Yeah, and it just makes me feel gross. Like it might seem counterintuitive cuz I'm like in a art form where I'm on stage demanding all this attention, but I don't like drawing attention to myself <laughs> other than in that arena. Like that's where I I feel most comfortable. And it's just because I like to make people laugh. But then once it gets to outside of that arena where I have to like market myself, it, I've never been comfortable with that at all. Well, it's different. I, I know exactly what you mean because it's like, it's, it's completely different because I, like, I feel like I talk to people and my, the end of the end goal of my, me talking to them is to tell them a thing about me. And I'm like, that's not that's not how conversations should work. No, like, and my dad always taught me to like try and talk about another the other person when you're talking to them, because yeah, because you don't want to talk about you all the time, and then people generally like talking about themselves. Well, that weirdly, that's kind of my networking strategy. I'll ask about them, and I'll keep asking questions, and keep asking questions, and they yeah. they will feel uncomfortable because you're just asking questions, and they'll say, so what about you? And then they asked you about yourself and what you do. And so I've, uh-huh. I've had actually really a lot of success with that. And like, I know people that are really good at it and they become a little more successful than me quicker. And it sort of bugs me that it was based on like their networking abilities rather than their skill level. But, and then I get into the whole thing in my head about, well, you shouldn't compare yourself to other people, which you shouldn't do. That just makes you miserable. I went to school with musicians that um, are way more successful than me that are like touring with their bands and stuff. And I'm like, and I work, I still work at a, at an e-commerce facility for, for Walmart. And I'm like, (laughs) that's great. But then you really think about it and like, you know, you, they have different goals than I do. I have a family and they, they're not married and like, I have a kid now. It's just different. Mm -hmm. So everything, every little piece of what you do and who you are, is so different that comparing really is not an option. Yeah, that's true. Because other people will have different objectives in what they want to do. I hadn't thought of it like that. Also, I found that like having a day job and like a normal, quote-unquote, normal life outside of like your art is helpful. Interesting. How so? It grounds you, and like there's something you can fall back on so there's not as much panic about um uh your your art being successful also in terms of comedy and probably in music too like you need inspiration to draw from and so if you if you didn't have some life outside of it you wouldn't have anything to draw from yeah in terms of like like in comedy, you need to have experiences or go out and observe things. If you're just doing comedy 100% of the time, where do you get those experiences from? <laughs> Is pop culture a big part of that? Do you, have to feel, do you feel like you have to pre- be pretty up to date on pop culture stuff? No, I do more like observational type stuff. I, I do have some pop culture references, but I try and make them, they have to be universal to where a big percentage of people will understand them and they'll they have to be something that doesn't have uh an expiration date that are like super trendy yeah you don't want to you don't want to throw in a laurel and yanny joke and yeah and then next year people are like what yeah those (laughs) jokes are for twitter (laughs) (laughs) there there you go Yeah. yeah i think i was just telling you earlier i think this is you kind of are in a cool medium because you kind of have a little bit of everything. So you can do like social media stuff and like little snarky tweets and stuff as a comedian. Mm -hmm. You can do like the, you can have like videos, share videos of your comedy online. You can like sell a special, you could perform live. Mm -hmm. It's kind of an interesting field because it kind of lets you do just about anything. Heck, you could even like write. Like that's that's another option for for a lot of stand-up comedians. I've been writing commercials recently and that's been really fun. Oh, cool. Yeah. Do you feel like you're, that's using a different part of your comedy brain, or is it kind of the same? The process of brainstorming 
which I really like. That was something my mom always like drilled into my head was like how to brainstorm and how in that I've noticed a lot of these people don't know how to do it. Like they'll you'll come up with an idea and they'll shoot it down and I'll be like, I thought we were brainstorming and I always learn like no idea is bad in a brainstorming session. You just throw out whatever idea that you have. And yeah, write it down, like modify it together, maybe look at why it's good or bad. That's another thing. Uh-huh. Yeah, I always learned like you just write down any idea, even if you know it's bad. If you shoot down ideas and brainstorming, it discourages future ideas, which is why you just have to say ideas even if they're bad. So I guess the way that they're different is in the... I get to use that creative side of my brain, but then there's a lot of compromise happening in when you're working in a collaborative medium. Yeah, I guess that's I'm true. Not, I'm not used to. I'm a lone wolf a lot of the time on stand-up, and uh, I get to make all the choices. And the only other people I'm getting feedback from is the audience, and I change the material uh, based on audience feedback. And so the the audience tells me what uh, what is good and bad, which seems like a more democratic way to do it other than like in these commercial writing sessions. They're like hypothesizing, well, I don't think this segment of a demographic will understand it or like hmm. you're just guessing. We all laughed in this room just now. Or... <laughs> yeah, that's true. Because right, you think of writing as, oh, you're funny. Write a funny thing. Some stand-up comedians would be are probably better writers than stand-up comedians. Yeah. What is your experience with like people asking you to write music? Because I know they'll. I'll be pitching like a commercial, and uh, the overall. Um, premise is a funny premise and then you can build jokes within that funny premise and i have but then they'll and they'll choose another person's pitch which isn't funny but then they'll be like write jokes in that uh in the, just put jokes in here and i i've often said like i i can't do that like the overall premise has to be funny I can try, but it's not going to be as good as if the overall thing is funny. Like, and you probably get something similar in music where people are like, I'll just write some music here. Like, what are your frustrations in that area? Well, people, first of all, they, they don't know what they want until I give them music. And then they go, oh, I hate that. And I'm like, well, thank you. Um, <laughs> I'll try to get everything I possibly can out of them. So if I, at the very least, I'll be like, so what's the feeling that you want to get across with this scene? And they'll be like, oh, well, like, he's depressed because his dad just died. And I'm like, okay, that's somewhere to start. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, th- if you think about it, mu- musicians are, like, especially with film and everything, they're the only one in the, the room that does music. So, like, they, it's like everyone else is a film expert. Uh-huh. And then there's this one musician just chilling over on the side. And so it's like, hey, all these film people, what do, do you like this music? And they go, no, it sounds too sad. And I'm like, I don't know what that means. Like, what what do you mean? So part of my part of the biggest struggle as a composer is like trying to decipher what that means. I think I've gotten a lot better at it. Would it be easier if they knew like music terminology and uh, like how the music is created? If they actually knew it, then yes. <laughs> but oh. a lot of times they just think they know it and they'll be like, let's do a crescendo here. I'm like, no, what? No, what? No, that's not what that is. Like, what? Or they'll give me, they'll give me like, it should get really quiet here. Like, do a really good crescendo of a quiet. And it's like, you're telling me literally two contradicting <laughs> Crescendo opposite. literally means <laughs> yeah. to grow. Exactly. So I'm like, what are you talking about? So it's it's kind of a compromise between get, figuring out what they think they mean and <laughs> and figuring out what they actually want. That's a really good point though cuz I just I I feel like a lot of times building on an on bad ideas <laughs> is really hard. Like writing music for a really corny badly acted scene is my music is just going to not work. It's not going to sound natural yeah your respect for the the scene comes through in the the music that you write 
<laughs> that'd be that'd be pretty blatant, wouldn't it? Yeah. Like, just, like, even, like I a kazoo. Scene, it is really dumb. <laughs> it kind of allows you to f- get freed up a little bit. Like I think when I'm writing music for really good stuff, I think, oh, I'm not gonna like take a whole ton of chances because I want this to be really good. And if it's like a high stakes situation or like I'm getting paid more than I normally would have, I'd be like. I don't want to screw this up. It's like a job interview. Like, I'm like, I don't want to mess this up because this is a really good mm-hmm. chance. But in a situation like that, I'm a lot more likely to kind of experiment and do stuff that I normally wouldn't because mm-hmm. of that exact reason. So in a way, it's kind of a good thing in a lot of ways, in a lot of weird ways, actually, comedy and music kind of parallel each other. I've always thought of like a joke, like the actual joke is the lyrics and then the way you deliver it is the music. Brilliant. That's that's absolutely brilliant. You can have the lyrics, the idea for the lyrics, but until you figure out what the music is, how you deliver it, then it, it's not going to be good. Well, here's a little bit of Seinfeld trivia that kind of proves that. Um, so on the show, Seinfeld, um, the theme song, like as he, you know, at the very beginning of every episode, he's like doing a little bit of stand up. Uh-huh. Um, the guy that wrote the music um, actually recorded a brand new intro every time. Um, according to the rhythm of what, of what the comedy sounded like in the, like the timing of the jokes and stuff. Yeah. It was super interesting. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's so, it was really cool. Cause it's like, it really kind of does show there is that much to it with like timing and rhythm and comedy uh-huh. music as well. So, <laughs> and that does bug me sometimes. Cause sometimes comics will trick an audience with just the, the rhythm I'm like, they just got you with the rhythm. There was no substance to that joke at all. It was just all energy and nothing. So another one I wanted to ask you. Um, so like, let's say, let's say there's a 15 year old boy walks up to you and says, hello, Alex, what do I do? How do I start? What advice do you have for me as a aspiring stand-up comedian? Hmm. Uh, when people ask me that, which they shouldn't, but (laughs) (laughs) I usually tell them to listen to a lot of comedy and listen to your favorites multiple times. And just that helps you get sort of a sense of what style you like and then try and break it down a little bit. Hmm. I watch those Mulaney specials so many times. I try and like break down the, the... the setup to the joke because those are underrated and probably as important if not more important than the punchline because that establishes all the the logic behind the joke so listen to a lot of comedians uh write down your your jokes i either write them down or i like talk them out in my car you gotta like record every i record all my shows on my phone at least the audio of them so you can go back and and listen to them oh that's smart there's a lot of things you can figure out where you went wrong comedy super iterative you gotta go through a bunch of different versions before you get a good version of a joke there are a lot of like really good improv comedians like i've heard of like um I've heard of I've heard comedians kind of just do something on the fly, like with crowd work or something like that. And yeah. it'll, it'll be like fantastic, but it's never quite the same as like their polished best material. Uh-huh. Yeah, and the way you deliver it, like that's an talking about Mulaney again. I've seen him live a few times and I remember the first time I saw him live, he started in a way and continued <clears throat> in a way that I thought he was just coming up with it all off the top of his head which of course he wasn't but that's the illusion that you want to establish is that you're just thinking of these things in the moment it's like people like robin williams were kind of savants like that seriously how do you even of all styles of comedy (laughs) you know like how could he yeah i think it was at carnegie hall he just did like two or three hour special just mostly improvised is nuts. That's insane. His his brain worked like ten times faster than normal. He was probably one of the most talented comedians ever. I would say. Who's right up there with him? Who's like the the greatest in in the field ever? Would you say Robin Williams is a little different just because it's like pure talent 
the greatest ever. Um, <laughs> up until recently, it oh, was Bill Cosby. I, I was going to say, I actually, as he said up until recently, I was like, oh, I think I know who you mean. <laughs> yeah, which is so sad. Sad for everyone involved. I don't know. Like I said, I like uh, I like Seinfeld and Brian Regan. And Brian Regan is amazing because he'll he's uh gotten to where he is without having done a TV show or anything. Just yeah, that's on true. Stand up by itself. Like Bill Murray is super funny, just pure funny. Like one of those ones you watch like outtakes of on when they're on a movie, and you can tell that like half of it is just off the top of their head, and they're just yeah. I get that vibe a lot from Steve Carell. Um, not that I've, I don't know if I've ever seen him do stand up specifically, but as just a comedian, I think yeah, he does. Yeah, he more, came from the the improv and sketch world where you just watch the bloopers and you're like, how are you? Like, it's different every time. No one, how does anyone keep a straight face on set with him? Like, <laughs> yeah, he's great. So there's a lot of. Um, maybe you could say like a misinformation out there, probably even from me, like on this, <laughs> in this interview, but <laughs> what do you think about when people kind of assume they know stuff about your field versus, um, what, what's actually true about the field? I don't like it when people put comedy in genres, hmm. they'll be like, that is slapstick that is dry humor that is um what are some other ones that that people say that's that's silly and they don't i kind of look at it like being a basketball player like people would never say to a basketball player well i like dunks but i don't like jump shots like (laughs) why would you want to be a basketball player that can only dunk or only do a jump shot like you want to have the complete array of skills so yeah maybe i do do an absurdist joke or maybe i do do a silly joke maybe i do a dry joke they like cut themselves off from a lot of different kinds of comedy just because they think one is better than than another a robin williams type comedian i don't know if they started now would be nearly as successful because people kind of look down on that, I think. Yeah. Robin Williams or Steve Martin that was like absurdist and Steve Martin was doing like anti-comedy kind of that. I don't know if people recognize that. Like uh, it was more of a commentary on, on comedy itself than and it was it was great and so people just cut themselves off because at first glance they think, oh, that's just silliness. And I'm I'm smarter than that, but they don't realize the intelligence that goes into silliness sometimes. No kidding. And I think so what I'm what I'm taking from that is if we were to talk to a like a brand new someone that wanted to be a comedian, right? Um what I take from that is don't sell yourself short. Like if you feel like you are naturally more of a um like a dad joke comedian and you know you're steering into the silliness skid um maybe Uh don't don't try too hard to fight it yeah don't hold yourself in or think you can't just do what you think is funny and it just may be my view skewed by looking at internet comments but seems like people like to pat themselves on the back more than they like to laugh (laughs) in terms of like judging comedy and like what is good and bad. And then there's this whole other aspect of like, well, this kind of humor minimizes this certain plight that people go through. And, oh, you're by making a joke about that, you're minimizing this issue. And I don't believe in any of any of that stuff. I do think I don't want to get into this like, political correctness rant because at the same time at the same time i do think you should be respectful of people and kind to people and if people are sensitive about the way you talk about them then you should try and respect that but there's also a way to make comedy around those expectations all these comedians over the last few years like being really political but also being 
but doing it in kind of a comedic way because a lot of times a lot of people uh, are really upset by a lot of news and things like that and being able to joke about it makes people like they want to mm-hmm. hear the news but they also like to enjoy it instead of just hearing about horrible tragedies and things like that so that's kind of a gift that you bring as a comedian to like be able to talk about things like that um in a way that you know a lot of people are is more acceptable to more people but even if it's a tricky topic yeah and sometimes that people shouldn't like discount the fact that comedy is a way to work through your emotions for some people and it's a way to deal with grief to they say oh you shouldn't minimize that or make fun of that and i'm not i'm i'm uh i'm pointing it out and we can laugh at it so we can like get through because it's a hard thing to deal with it's not that i'm thinking that uh it's not as serious as it is or um or as important yeah. as it is it's just a way for us to comedy's an escape and we can escape momentarily from how bad cancer or whatever the topic maybe is and we can laugh about it so we can sort of deal with it a little better once we're outside of this comedy experience yeah i think i see a lot of like fat comics like really overweight comics that will talk about like how big they are that's like a big chunk of their comedy and i you kind of got to think like this is a, well, I mean, that's kind of been a thing for me. Like, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a comedian by any sense, but being able to inject some humor into some more serious situations lets you kind of talk about things like it's fine. Yeah. And you feel accepted. People think, oh, you shouldn't make fun of yourself. You should have a better self-esteem about yourself. And no, this is like a way for me to deal, address this problem. I do a lot of fat (laughs) jokes too address this problem with my health and feel accepted yeah for it if people um, laugh at it that means that like, they're on your same page that's kind of what i always did with bullies right. and stuff because i would just make fun of myself first and then what are they going to just agree with me yeah like, okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah me too then <laughs> that's another coping mechanism it's not that i'm like purposely trying to have this low sense of humor and that's where you get into like labeling comedy again like oh i don't like comedy that um self-deprecating humor why not let the let the comedian deal with their issues well and that's their choice too it's they're doing it they don't have to do that by you laughing at them you're not like putting them down you don't even when you're laughing at something you're not even necessarily agreeing with it you're agreeing that it's a funny a funny thing it could be completely the opposite like i've had comedians that i the reason i laugh is because i completely disagree or whatever you know like yeah it's it's all establishing logic that's absurd and you're laughing at the absurdity of the logic that they made that absurd logic make sense in a way and you're like of course that's not true and that yeah triggers the laughter response comedy's freaking weird man yeah, and that's where like people that don't understanding it, judging it, and putting it in all these boxes like self-deprecating and stuff. It, it really, I don't know, it it bothers me, and it shouldn't because the in the end it's the audience that decides what's funny or not. But yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's also dangerous because you're gonna lose all these different quote unquote genres of comedy because people want to pat themselves on the back for being accepting of people even when the comedian is making fun of themselves (laughs) yeah and it's the other it's not like someone's forcing them to do those jokes either like obviously the fact that they got up there and they're saying that stuff Uh means that they are fine with you laughing at it and not just fine with it they're hoping that you laugh at it yeah (laughs) yeah it's weird that's what i mean about it being weird it's like it's not really like a lot of other creative uh fields um, so I, I kind of wanted to just finish off with a couple things here. Um, first of all, I wanted to kind of ask you what led, like how you literally got started doing shows and things like that for someone that it really is aspiring to, to get into stand up. Like, how did you start actually performing and how did you actually start, uh, capitalizing on your talent and things like that? Um, in comedy, you just got to open mic night 
And so I would go to open mic nights at Wise Guys, and I was doing that. I did that a little in high school, actually, just sort of sporadically off and on. Hmm. And then uh, about five years ago, I started doing it for real and would go every week. And you got to look at those like a tryout because people are watching that you don't know are watching. So I did that for about a year before I started doing guest spots on weekends, which is just where you're opening for other comedians and you just sort of work your way up. So um, that's what my advice would be to go to open mic and uh, don't spread yourself too thin. Some Hmm. open mic comedians want to come up with new jokes every week. I would have a rotation of three different bits you're working on that you just Hmm. cycle through and perfect because the, in my case, the club owner was watching, and he's they're looking to see if you have a solid five to seven minutes you can do on a weekend. And so if you're constantly doing new jokes that you never revisit, then there's no way for them to know um, that you'll be able to hold your own on a, a weekend show. Well, not only that, but I feel like... Um, that's... I totally lost my train of thought. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah also open mic audiences are a little different than like normal civilians because a lot of open mic audiences are mostly comedians who tend to laugh at darker stuff so you need to go bigger and darker for a comic to laugh than a normal crowd and sometimes the things you do to make a comedian laugh will not be (laughs) what normal good-natured wholesome people will enjoy. <laughs> the dark the dark goblin cave of an open mic night is what you're yeah. making it sound like so if you can make a joke work in an open mic that isn't that way it'll that's mm. all the more power to you on a show with regular people and sometimes a joke like like that won't work at open mic and that's also you got to take into account your audience at an open mic is that they're not going to laugh at lighthearted stuff sometimes or stuff about uh, inane topics. Like a lot of people at open mic are talking about like, I don't know, jokes about suicide and like all this heavy stuff. And then I'll go and do a joke about post-it notes or whatever. And they'll be like, huh? (laughs) And I'm like, if I believe in the joke, I'll keep working on it. Have you done any of those? Or even more do com- compositions, right? Yeah, I've done a couple. Um, What's the process for you in break- breaking into that? I, to be honest with you, like it's just being really freaking good. I think it's a little different because comedy is subjective in a lot of ways. Uh-huh. Um, so, like, I could think a comedian is amazing, and you could think that they're terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, but kind of in in a lot of ways, you can't really argue that with musicians' talent. <laughs> like, oh yeah. Like no one is no one is listening to Prince and going, he's terrible. At the very <laughs> least, you might say you might be like, Yeah, I don't get that into that music much, but you can't deny like talent in that, you know, or Michael Jackson. Like you can't go That's true. Yeah, he's not talented. So I think it's a little different in a lot of ways because um I think I I was never quite as good. Like I'm a good singer, but that's kind of all I got. I don't really have a lot in the instrument department. Um so when I play the first time I ever did it, I tanked super bad because I was just like I just played a cover of some song and I was like in high mm-hmm. school and it was really bad. But then I did another in college with a friend and that went much better. And then I per- the only time I've ever really performed with a, for a crowd was at like this cancer ref- uh, refund. No, you don't get refunds for cancer. <laughs> <laughs> it was a it was a cancer relay race thing. I don't know. It was like a charity thing. And I played we played like a full set. Um and it was like I realized I kind of partway through it I kind of realized I was the worst one on the stage. Like <laughs> I was like the least talented on stage. So I think that's that's part of it is like don't perform with people that are worse than you. Um cuz that yeah. it'll make you look a lot better, but yeah, it's t- it's a little different with um with open mic nights cuz I think there's not as much pressure to perform constantly um 
like shows quite uh-huh. as much as a comedian. I would say it's more about like kind of gaining a following. Like I would say album sales are more important right. for for a musician. Do you have anything on Spotify? Yeah, I did a few specials for Dry Bar Comedy, and so I know they're working on getting stuff on Spotify. I just don't know if they're they've submitted my stuff yet. Is hmm. what I meant by I don't know. I might, but oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah. you're actually, oh, that's cool though. Cause I, I do think I, that's kind of my go-to place for, for up is kind of those, like the streaming sites and stuff. Although I've seen a lot of stuff pop up from like YouTube, like dry bars page with, um, has had a lot of cool stuff with like just little snippets from comedians. And that's been awesome. Yeah. That's actually my day job as I run the Facebook page oh, really? for dry bar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've done an excellent job. I quite enjoy oh, it. Thank you. <laughs> it's cool yeah and i think that's i think that's a smart way to pull it right now because there's a lot of um and now with like instagram watch like i could see that getting really big for that because it's just longer form video yeah um i need to put some stuff on there for them too <laughs> you're like oh shoot good point yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> i think there's a lot to be said for like kind of the digital future of comedy where it's going and kind of what options are out there for for future comedians i think even doing i've actually seen some like vloggers that have kind of done something like stand up straight to their microphone which i can't imagine doing that yeah with no audience Uh but that apparently it's been working for some of them and i think holy cow like if you could just do that um it's a little different because like vlogs expect you to have a certain amount of content constantly Whereas comedies, like it's understood that it's not going to be as fast as that. Yeah, but, that was the that's the tricky thing because I'm like trying to get some of my social media stuff going, and that was the impetus to start my little podcast thing. Is that like what's something I can do on a regular basis without having to coordinate with a bunch of people on how to do it and uh, just sort of do it on my own. And hmm. so I decided to just go and sit in a restaurant and interview a random person and offer them a, a free lunch in, in return. Because I do crowd work in my shows, and I was stinking. And you're good at it. Like, like not, to, not to suck up to you, but frankly, you are fantastic. I've heard, I've heard uh, comedians where I go, and they're like, it's so cringy. They're like, hey, uh, how's the... Uh, How's it, how's it going? You're wearing a so you're wearing a sweater. Is it cold? Is it cold outside? And I'm like, what are you doing, man? Yeah, but you're actually you actually oh, are, are really good at it. Yeah, that always makes me nervous. But that is sort of cheating, like we were talking about earlier, is because I do a lot of shows locally, and I don't expect like if people are gonna come more than once to a show. <laughs> locally i don't want them to hear the same jokes over and over so i try and like pepper in a little improvised yeah, stuff least, and that's yeah. always going to be different and it in a way it's good but in a way it bothers me that like that's usually what people remember from a show it's like oh yeah that's true to that guy about about uh his socks that was hilarious like yeah and, and I'm glad like, they remember something, <laughs> but uh, I, it's sort of sad that it was the thing I didn't spend any time working on that you remembered. <laughs> oh, that should be, that's a good thing though, I think, because that, yeah. that shows that like there's, there's something there and your, your material is good enough that it holds its own, but adding this really good crowd work, I think is awesome. And this mm-hmm. podcast idea, okay, I'm just going to tell our audience, like I objectively I'm definitely going to listen to this podcast. It's like, it's a brilliant idea. So like, tell, tell more about like, you kind of mentioned it a little bit, but kind of say like, what do you even talk about? Like, where do you even start? So I'm still working on how to, how to do it well. Cause I don't know if I'm good <laughs> at it yet. Um, <laughs> the first one turned out pretty good. Uh, so basically I go, it's called free lunch. And so I sit in a little sandwich shop and I sort of ask people if I can buy them lunch, if I can interview them. Uh, and so I try and do little crowd work just one-on-one, which is a little different I'm coming to to learn. I was expecting it to get 
a little deeper than what it has turned into, but I've only mm. done two of them. Hopefully I'll, I'll release the next episode in the next few days. And this next episode, I don't know how well it'll turn out because I hope she doesn't listen to this podcast, but she was not that interesting. So <laughs> very hard to get anything interesting out of this person. <laughs> I almost think that's funnier because you're like, you're killing me. Like, <laughs> And if it was a person in a, and then that in a stand up uh crowd I could make fun of the fact that they weren't interesting, but it seems just super mean spirited <laughs> to say that to their face. Like, you are so boring. <laughs> I love the idea of like because that's true. If they weren't interesting in a crowd, that would be really funny. You could be like uh-huh. wow, you're like, you know, super Yeah, familiar. I've made light of left. that before. Like someone said, Oh, I'm an accountant and I said, Do you have any crazy accounting stories? <laughs> you're giving me nothing brad yeah yeah so on the first episode i the interview was pretty short so i thought i'd put in some of my actual crowd work at the end and i kind of liked it so i think i'm gonna keep doing that and i for facebook and stuff and youtube i uh found a animator that is animating the crowd work since it's just audio i recorded on my phone and it would be pretty boring to just post a the audio so i had him animate some things and so that's something i'm pretty excited about too so it'll be yeah you got a lot of stuff cooking yeah quote unquote crowd work with a person in an interview one-on-one and then crowd work in a live situation it will be like the two segments and they're normally like 15 minute long episodes so you can listen to them on your lunch break yeah, I actually already subscribed, so oh, I'm really nice. excited. Thanks. <laughs> That's one. Yeah, and I subscribed <laughs> to my own, so I got two. And you add your mom and my mom, and that's four. <laughs> Dang, you're <laughs> compounding. <laughs> but for real, so we'll we'll share the links to that on our uh, on our Facebook page and everywhere else. Um, and make sure we uh, we'll share some of your videos because I legit. I love them awesome. so much. Thank you. I'm, and I, I've when got I saw another that, I was like, comedy special coming out oh, you uh, do? this week. Yeah, on Dry Bar. We'll, and we'll for sure be sure to share that as well. Because I've told nice. I, I told Rachel she's got to listen to um, kind of the one that's out there already. What's it called again? Uh, Spurious. That's right. Yeah. I sent yeah. her a link to it. So oh, I was cool. like, she's got to listen to it. Because I, like, I was telling her, um, he's really funny. And she's like, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And I, I kind of thought, you need to hear... Okay, you need to hear him. Like, it's, Who is this I, Rachel person? <laughs> well, Skeptical. She, she's going to be talking... Um, Our audience will hear her talking about 10 seconds after you're done talking. So, oh, no. well. I hope you like me, Rachel. <laughs> I'm sure she will. Yeah, this um, new one, if you watch the old one, which I assumed no one did, there's about... 10 minutes of old material in the new special just because i was told to do my best 40 minutes so oh sorry to anyone spoilers yeah sorry it'd be worth it to anyone that any of the three people that watched the entire last (laughs) special (laughs) i just assumed no one watched it they mostly just watched clips on facebook well and hey if they were to do that where would they find them uh, Dry Bar Comedy's Facebook page. So, search for facebook.com slash drybarcomedy. You can, yeah, and look, more importantly, go to my page. Ah, yeah, that's kind Alex of what I was alluding Valuto to, Alex. Comedy. Yeah, I don't <laughs> want to plug Dry Bar anymore. They've got, like, two million followers. I need the help, not Dry Bar. I was going to say, we, we've mentioned them, like, multiple times. We've only mentioned yeah, your, your page Yeah, me, once. like, being bad at marketing, like I said. <laughs> I'm totally going to call you out. Like before this, I was like, so like, let's share, let's share your, um, we, I want to share your podcast. And he, he's like, oh, we don't have to do that. And I was like, dude, <laughs> I did, one job. Like I, I know, but it makes me feel sleazy. <laughs> it, you have to feel sleazy a little bit. Why do you think I, I have, the, have you for free on our podcast? <laughs> how, how do you think that makes me feel? <laughs> Well, because you're cool, and I want to do stuff with you. You don't there have to you feel go. bad. Oh, see now, I, now I feel even better. There you so go. So don't forget, go um go follow Alex on Facebook at 
is it just comedian Alex Valudo? Yeah. Or you Alex can Valudo friend comedian? me on. <gasps> yeah, you can become my Facebook friend too. Yeah. And I'll probably send you to my page anyway. I'll, but yeah, let's be Facebook friends. I have Twitter and Instagram too. So go follow him on Facebook and go subscribe to the podcast Free Lunch anywhere you listen to podcasts. Yeah. We're going to do a thread about this in our Facebook group, um, which is called Creators Connect by Create Loud. So go find us on Facebook. Uh, we'll have links to that. And we're, uh, we're excited to hear from you. Go find us on social media of, of any kind, really. We have Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can just find us at Create Loud. See you next week and keep on creating. At Banana Republic Factory, save big with 50 to 70% off the entire store. Plus, take an extra 50% off clearance. Stock up on dresses and polos starting at $19.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Is your fixed income truly fixed income? Does it provide diversification, income, and risk management for your clients? At MFS, we help advisors deliver these essentials. We call it essential fixed income. Find out more at MFS.com slash fixed income.